My love, I'm curious. Do you call yourself a feminist? Why or why not? Chances are, if you're listening to this, that's probably a yes. But even if it's not, let's explore why. The word feminism has forever had a really bad connotation. I remember learning about it when I was a kid. At best, it's a superficial attack on what a feminist might look like. Maybe she doesn't shave her legs or wear deodorant. Maybe she has dreads or blue hair or a face full of piercings. Maybe she refuses to participate in the modern beauty culture at all. First of all, we know when someone lobs this you know, insult at us as being feminist, it's a projection of their own intimidation by your authenticity and your power. It's just an insult. But on a deeper level, someone who has a distaste for feminism might think it's rageful, a man-hating world where femmes and women strive to replace men at the top. And this couldn't be further from the truth. There have been multiple waves of modern feminism, and yes, it hasn't always gotten it right. For example, it's only recently included sex workers and trans women, and it's only recently begun to explore how things like housing and food insecurity and gun violence are actually feminist issues, especially for those outside of white feminism. But I think it's time we reclaim the word feminism itself. We need to give it a PR makeover because ultimately what modern feminism is and should be, the brand of feminism that I've devoted my work to, is rejecting arbitrary hierarchies, all of them. The patriarchy is just one. And for many of us, it's the easiest, most accessible entry point into the world of toppling the status quo and all of its bullshit power hierarchies. So if you're a feminist or you're interested in calling yourself one, let's take them all down together because that's when liberation will really happen. I'm Sarah. I'm a feminist. This is Reclaiming and Girls to the Fucking Front. up everyone welcome to another episode of reclaiming the weekly podcast where we spark a revolution from the inside out i'm sarah my pronouns are she her i am a writer a witch and a pole dancer in los angeles i am so happy to have you here with me this week we have so many new listeners so many new newsletter subscribers i'm so happy it makes my heart just swell so big uh just like the grinch i'm just like the grinch over here my heart getting five sizes bigger (laughs) with every person that uh signs up and starts listening So happy almost May. I love this time of year. The weather has been absolutely perfect here. Uh, People are mostly still in town before they disperse for their summer adventures. And everyone's just like itching to take a load off, right? (laughs) I feel like there's a point during summer where at least I know I'm like, okay, it's too fucking hot and I'm ready for fall. But the spring moment before summer officially kicks off. Oh, my God, I love it. I just absolutely love this time. If you're a new listener again, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy to have you. Welcome. I can't wait to spark this revolution with you. And if you're a veteran reclaimer, I love you so much. Please continue to share this podcast with your friends. I can't tell you how much it means to me. Um, the sharing is really where we're getting the word out. Uh, and that's how this that's how these movements always happen, right? And before we get to the topic this week, I just wanted to make sure you are signed up for the Reclaiming the Newsletter, which hits your inbox every Monday. Same with this podcast. The newsletter goes over a lot of things like news highlights, other things that are happening in the world of girl power and feminism. And I put so much love into it, you know, just like this podcast, honestly. Um, And if you're not signed up, please do. Don't miss out. You can sign up at the website, reclaimeffingeverything.com. That's reclaimeffeverything.com. 
Um, also, if you could please head to Spotify or Apple, give this podcast a five-star rating interview. I would be so happy. Thank you so much. It helps me with the algorithm. Um, and I think that's it. I think the house has been kept. So this week, I really wanted to talk about the PR issue of modern feminism. Now, let's establish a baseline here. In this episode, I will be referring to my version of feminism. And I know that every feminist claims this movement in their own way or doesn't claim it. And I respect that. My thesis here is that feminism, despite what many people like to say about it, it isn't man-hating and it isn't getting to the top of the power pyramid at the expense of men. Feminism is a movement against arbitrary hierarchies of power, starting with the patriarchy. In my opinion, the most effective feminism is the kind that includes every single marginalized identity that aims to topple all of these power imbalances. And for many of us, feminism and the gender power imbalance is the easiest access point into fighting for equality. I'm a relatively young, educated white woman. I have an able body. I will not claim leadership in toppling any of our system's power hierarchies like racism, classism, ableism, ageism, etc. because I don't inhabit those identities, but I want to see them crumble just as much. And I, what I am is a woman and I experience gender-based hierarchy every day. So this is where I can lead. Feminism to me then is taking the lead in eliminating these arbitrary gender-based power hierarchies and supporting all other marginalized identities as they work to tackle arbitrary power and authority. Uh, and let me just give one more little definition here. When I say arbitrary, I mean something you're literally just born into, like your gender or your socioeconomic status, your race or ethnicity, your body as it is. I do not mean democratic power. That's not arbitrary power. I believe wholeheartedly in democratic power. Um, what I mean is tackling the systems that put someone at the top and everyone else at the bottom because of something you're simply born into. Okay, so now that we have my little definition, it's a long-winded definition, but you know, I'm a writer. I've never said I'm I'm short on words. Feminism has always, always gotten a bad rap, starting with the suffragette days. I might post a few on my Instagram, but basically, if you look at old advertisements from the early 20th century uh, during the women's suffrage movement. You'll see that they are depicted as controlling, mannish, masculine, loud, brash, emasculating toward men, old maids. Men are then depicted like, I want to vote, but my wife won't let me. Uh, there's another one I saw that said at the suffragette meetings, you can hear some plain things and see them too, which is an insult towards women, women's appearances at those meetings um, because women you know, of the Victorian era were often done up and filled up and, you know, in their corsets and dresses and all that shit. And the you know, suffragettes weren't weren't into that. So they called them plain in appearance and then basically insulting uh, their messages and their thoughts and their feelings and their experiences and their <laughs> and their looks. It's worth noting here that the women at this time just really wanted the ability to vote. They weren't asking for anything else just to vote. This propaganda was clearly created by the ad agencies and newspapers that were run by men and sold to and four men, which benefited from them being the final say. So, of course, they're going to depict this change as radical, right? So, basically, this is where I think our PR problem as feminists, it's a tale as old as time. This is where it starts. And um, yeah, it just keeps getting, it, it just keeps changing its form throughout the different waves of feminism in the United States. The second wave of feminism, which is considered to be kind of the women's liberation movement, the 60s and 70s, it's the one that championed the Equal Rights Amendment. It didn't have any better PR. People called them libbers, the people that wanted um, that were part of this movement, women's libbers or just libbers. The angry man hating trope continued. Feminists were portrayed as deeply unhappy, uh, maybe unable to get a husband. Maybe they were portrayed as 
you know, weren't pretty or feminine. This anti-feminism movement even twisted the narrative to try to convince women against joining them by saying that women actually enjoyed special privileges, like not needing to register for the draft. It completely ignored all the ways that women were all the things that we weren't allowed to do, you know, like have our own bank accounts. But anyway, that was a little divergent. But all of this is to say that there was certainly a man hating accusation that underlied the speech about feminism and this women's liberation movement of the 60s and 70s. Now, in the third wave, which most people could argue took place in the 80s, 90s and aughts, we have the introduction of talk radio and Fox News and some of the most vile public facing human beings like Rush Limbaugh, Michael Savage, Dr. Laura, Glenn Beck and Bill O'Reilly. These are the people that liked to throw around incredibly hateful rhetoric. Uh, toward the women who continue to fight for our rights. Even the women now were able to get bank accounts and hold high power jobs. They were still up against a violent patriarchy that continued to oppress them in other ways. So, of course, women were still fighting. This this always happens this way, right? Women are always fighting incrementally short of a revolution. One thing that's always gotten to me about this particular third wave, and I remember growing up listening to them, um, is that whole where will they stop narrative? You know, like Glenn Beck would say, oh, they, they want this. They want that. Well, they already have all these rights. Where are they going to stop? Well, Glenn Beck, they'll stop when there are no more power imbalances simply because of gender. Okay. (laughs) These people made it sound like women wouldn't be happy until they were at the top and just pushing others down to climb up, which as I've mentioned before, couldn't be further from the truth. These anti-feminists of the third wave actually had a name for us that further perpetuated this man-hating PR myth. And that was the fem Nazi. This was a term coined by uh, Rush Limbaugh in this third wave of feminism. May he rot in eternity in his damn grave. This phrase actually still used is still used today in the current fourth wave of feminism, which most historians agree is this kind of 2010 on post Me Too era that we're now in. This era of feminism and its corresponding PR efforts by the anti-feminist is defined now, I would argue, uh, after Roe v. Wade was overturned last year. I think this wave will always be associated with Donald grab him by the pussy Trump um, and whose election and presidency just expanded the borders of possibility for misogyny and people who truly believe that women are inferior simply because of their gender. And although the anti-feminists got what they wanted with the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade last year, the rhetoric against us has now kind of taken on this Tucker Carlson-led men are oppressed victim PR campaign. As I mentioned, these men speak who speak so vehemently against feminism, particularly conservative men, also like to contribute to the PR problem of feminism by adding in the declining male condition, sniveling about how, how hard it is to be a poor persecuted man nowadays. Again, I'm thinking of Tucker Carlson here. It's not enough for these mostly men to try to paint feminists as man haters. They have to actively show how they, too, are the ones that the system is targeting now. Nothing enrages me more than a rich white male Tucker Carlson talking about how tough it is to be a man these days. And don't get me wrong. I do think the patriarchy absolutely harms males and young young men and boys. I There is no denying that. But they are part of the system that is harming them. They are the reason that these boys are harmed. They are the toxic masculinity proprietors. Okay. Like back off. (laughs) Women are expected to tolerate pain, fear, frustration, and a rigged oppressive system. But men, that's intolerable. 
Me Too also brought a lot of these thin-skinned men out from the woodwork as well, inducing the feeling among some men that they will be disproportionately punished for minor transgressions. And I know that many men say they have to be super careful around women now. Well, yeah, that's the fucking point. Whenever I hear a man say that, I just want to roll my eyes. I remember learning that I could never drink anything that I didn't watch being poured. But go ahead. Tell me how shitty it is that you can't harass women, that you need to be careful with what you say and do around us when we've been careful about what we say say, do, wear, etc. around you for our whole lives simply because we're born or identify as women. Another thing that anti-feminists uh, are reacting to is the fact that in this economy, with the cost of living rising and women earning degrees in higher numbers, it threatens the whole male breadwinner thing they have going for them. None of this, along with the recent reckoning with uh, sexual violence during Me Too, none of this is a war on men. None of it. What it does do is it threatens their control. And that, my dear listeners, is what they're truly afraid of. Women who call out this shitty PR problem or this femme Nazi trope or the fact that now in this fourth wave, these Tucker Carlson's are starting to be like, oh, but think about the men um, are often met with the same response. Get over it. Lighten up learn to take a joke or worse, we're told that we brought it on ourselves, that being a feminist in this fourth wave automatically means you're a man hater. And if you call yourself the word feminist, you are signing on to that fact. We're told that if we really cared about equality, we'd call ourselves something like humanist or egalitarian or some other word other than feminists. Women and feminists who are outspoken incite the anger of so many people who are deathly afraid of our power and their only recourse against it is to try to nullify it by playing up the threat of males losing their power of being excluded. Many people pop up here and say not all men too, which usually comes at the beginning of the conversation before anything goes further in the discussion. Have you ever noticed that? That when you're talking to someone, the not all men thing comes up at the very beginning. It's like a prologue. Many women actually like to self-exclude themselves from feminism, even if they are actually feminists themselves by my previous definition, because they don't want to deal with this bad PR and how it's always brought up every time you call yourself a feminist. It's like feminists are always on the defense, which happens because the people in power simply don't want on the offense. This is a very, again, a very clear PR move. And the anti-feminists have done a fantastic job at painting us in this horrible, horrible light while also painting themselves as the victims. Think about it. We didn't earn these names or this PR. We didn't earn these ideas. They were heaped on us by anti-feminists. As someone who works in communications and PR, let me tell you, it would be counterproductive for us to portray ourselves as unlikable. <laughs> the negative stereotypes then about us are really just spread by anti-feminists. Again, think hard. Everything bad you've heard of feminism is because you've heard it. Ask a true identifying feminist what they think the word is, and I guarantee you they will explain it in a way that makes a fuck ton more sense to you than you might think it would. Now, let's talk for a minute about misandry, which a lot of these anti-feminists like to throw around in their PR efforts against us. Misandry is not the same as feminism. It is defined as dislike of, contempt for, or an ingrained prejudice against men. Underlying this trope is that because we hate men, we want to dominate them. Again, as I've mentioned, feminists do not intend to establish female dominance and subjugate men. <laughs> we do have a problem with men who use the patriarchy as it's intended, which is to automatically place men in a position that is superior to women. We do have a problem, and dare I say, have dislike and contempt and pre prejudice for the innumerable men who have oppressed women, knowingly or unknowingly, and created barriers 
barriers and obstacles to our success. The patriarchy and the actions of so many men are interlinked. So it's pretty hard to uh, not criticize certain men while criticizing the social system in question. This is true. We don't hate men, or at least the majority of us don't. I'm married to one and the men in my life are fucking amazing. I have a great relationship with my dad, my male family members and cousins and uncles and grandpa. I have a ton of male friends, although I think like 99% of them are not straight. I have a ton of respect for many men that I've met throughout my life, like men from my graduate program that I'm still in contact with, et cetera. What we hate is bad men. The sexists, the misogynists, the jerks, the Donald Trumps, Josh Hawley's, the Tucker Carlson's, the Rush Limbaugh's, the Harvey Weinstein's, the men who abuse their power because they fucking can and they've never been taken down for it. And let's also talk a little bit about rage, the other facet of this anti-feminist PR campaign that we get accused of all the time. We are, are just always accused of being full of rage. Our rage is often confused with misandry. Rage is not considered feminine. And when we talk about it, we get accused of misandry again, although our rage is certainly powerful. And like I said, when we use it to tackle the system built on arbitrary inequality, it will certain thre- certainly threaten those men who depend on this system. But rage alone is just that rage. It can't actually hurt these individual man, men. It can't. They're searching for a victim status that does not exist. I remember learning in the church I went to as a teen that, that rage was not an okay emotion to have. And now I see why it threatens them, but it also hurts their feelings. It also scares them. Rage is a, has a huge place in our story and we can and should own it as long as we're not harming people with it. Rage is powerful. And when we use it to organize and propel ourselves to change, it's, it's incredibly effective. But again, without organizing, rage is just that. It's just rage. So it's an easy target. And rage, again, is not misandry. Now, I want to give a little bit of space, though, for the people that call themselves feminists and claim that they dislike or have contempt for men. I personally don't like to use the term hate, but I'll give the idea of I don't trust or like any man I meet some airtime here because I do not know what these women and femmes and folks have been through and who has harmed them. And I don't need to know to understand that their views are valid, which makes me think, what if feminism was man-hating? What would change? What if feminists really did hate men? Did it? Does it really matter? When women hate men, we hurt their feelings. But when men hate women, they kill us. Mass shootings have been attributed to misogyny and sexual and domestic violence against women is often fueled by a hatred for women. That's why for so many of us, it's really hard to take this whole misandry thing seriously because it's based on an idea that merely insulting men is akin to the life-threatening misogyny that women face around the world on a daily basis. So what do we do about this PR issue? How do we show up and avoid the man-hating trope? Do we include men to be to avoid being seen as misandrists? And if we do, how do we include them? This brings me back to the idea of tiptoeing around men's feelings and what kind of role we should give them if and when they do want to help us advance the feminist cause. Again, I know a ton of male feminists. I'm married to one. But we need to make sure that women and femmes are leading the charge here, not men. This is our issue, not theirs. Yes, we need allies. But we really need to make sure that we elevate our own voices instead of letting men take the helm simply because we don't want to hurt their feelings or because we want to be taken seriously or whatever. We also don't owe men a blank slate of inclusivity in our movement, my loves, because we still have a very different relationship to feminism than they do. Fundamentally, a man can be an ally. Don't get me wrong, but a man won't know ever what it's like to be catcalled on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> so by default, we're going to have very different understandings of what 
this movement is. This is the same for any kind of movement where folks want to be allies. Think of anti-racism. I, Sarah Spurlock, will never have the same experience that a black woman does in her body in her world. Therefore, she and I will always fundamentally have different understandings of what it means to be an anti-racist. What she does not owe me is the chance for me to push my way to the front of this cause and to try to lead others. That is not my place. My place is simply to be a support and to follow her lead and to amplify her voice. That is it. That is the same with men in feminism. Also, when it comes to our manufactured image as loud, shrill, angry man haters, we shouldn't need to temper ourselves in order to not prove them right. We need to just not give their PR efforts any air. It isn't our duty to set a better example or whatever than anti-feminist men. We're not obligated to go high when they go low. We shouldn't need to be the better person to be taken seriously or to confidently advocate for equality without being accused of being hypocrites. What we need to do is just fight the way we want to fight for our equality because they're going to call us some bullshit either way. I've established that the people who are threatened by us getting power are the ones designing these PR campaigns against us. We also don't need to worry that we are silencing men by being skeptical about letting them take the mic in this moment. We need to make sure that we are leading ourselves in a world that would still prefer if we kept ourselves busy in the kitchen while the men smoke their cigars in peace. And for the men that insist that we include them in their not all men movement, the whole how are we supposed to help you if you lump us in with the bad guys? If their allegiance to our cause is conditional on being flattered and showered with gratitude, they weren't allies to begin with. Similarly, when we say things or post things about men, if you're a man you're listening to us and you think our posts aren't about you, then they aren't. It's simple as that. <laughs> All of these things are why feminists sometimes bend over backwards to be seen as accommodating to this negative PR campaign. It's what perpetuates the shit system we're in and it's what keeps us from moving forward. In closing, I just wanted to say that the events of the past decade, such as the rise of Trump, the emergence of Me Too, overturning Roe v. Wade, has really proved that there is no war on men. It's proved that the idea that feminism is just overblown fears or misandry or whatever is false. That's not the case. There actually is a war on women and trans women, and we're seeing it happen in front of our eyes in real time. Our toughness, our cynicism over the past few years is ramping up and it's a very clear why. There's no twilight of the penis, as I heard one writer talk about when it comes to women starting to gain rights. We aren't even in a better position than our grandmothers were at the present moment when it comes to reproductive rights. This is an exhausting battle. <laughs> and one of the most exhausting parts of it is trying to write the negative PR campaign so that the conservative men and women hurl at us. Because feminism challenges gender norms and seeks to establish a world in which everyone enjoys equal rights, regardless of gender, people who benefit from the patriarchy are reluctant to support it and end up mislabeling it as misandry. Some people even go as far as to claim that we don't just want equality. We want to suppress men in the way they've suppressed us. All of this is wrong as I've laid out this, this episode. We need to make very clear that feminism is not what they say it is, that it's simply to eliminate arbitrary gender-based power hierarchies. We also need to be really careful that we don't tailor the movement to make compromises, to make anyone else comfortable, especially for those it wasn't designed for, like men. We need to keep our focus on the issue at hand, eliminating unequal arbitrary power structures. We need to not listen to that negative PR. Let's not even give it any air. We need to either actively shut it down or just block it out because what it does is try to temper us and slow us down by catering to our internalized need as women to make everyone happy and comfortable, which is bullshit, right, babes? <laughs> That's it for this week, my love. I hope you liked it. Thanks so much for tuning in. Once again, if you're new here, I'm so glad you joined us, please make sure you're signed up for Reclaiming the Newsletter at the website reclaimeffingeverything.com. That's reclaim, E-F-F-I-N-G, everything.com. Follow me on Instagram at reclaimeffingeverything. And please 
please, please, if you enjoy this podcast, give it a five-star rating and review. Um, and remember, feminism isn't man-hating, but even if it was, that's not the point. Feminism's PR issue is a careful campaign lobbied against us by those who benefit from the patriarchy staying in place. Remember that. We do not drink male tears. We have enough of our own. Next time someone calls you a feminazi or man-hater or tells you that you're too full of rage, you don't need to respond. You can, you can shut it down if you want, but you could also just block, report, and move on because we don't need to change their minds. We need your rage. We need your love. We need your tears. We need you. Until next week, my love, I love you so much. And girl, fucking power. Power.